Investor intelligence provides general information only. You should consider seeking independent advice to see how this information relates to your unique circumstances. Please refer to the terms and conditions available at investorintelligence.com.au for more. Guys, welcome back and thank you for tuning in to Investor Intelligence, brought to you by the team at The Property Mentors. It's your weekly podcast for all things investment and hosted by me, Phoebe Sikowski-Wallace. So today I've got the amazing Chelsea Burton joining me for another episode. Now, if you've been listening from the start, you'd know that one of the points that Luke is always reiterating is the importance of having your team of experts around you. Uh, one of these experts being your mortgage broker. So Chelsea is a senior broker at an independent mortgage broking firm used exclusively by the property mentors specializing in investment property loans. And this time she's back to talk to me about the ins and outs of deposits. So what kind of deposit you would need, how a deposit is different for investment properties, say versus an owner-occupied property, and plenty more. So I hope you enjoy. Here's the wonderful Chelsea. Chelsea, welcome back. It's always a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for having me. So let's get straight into it. We're talking about deposits today and the difference they can kind of make. So to start off, is is there a difference between a deposit for, say, an investment property to one for a property that you potentially want to live in? Yes. So... If you're going to buy a house for living in, mm-hmm. some lenders will loan you 95% of that property purchase price. So you only need a 5% deposit plus the costs. Mm-hmm. If you're going to uh, buy an investment property, the majority of lenders will go to a maximum of 80 or 90% on an investment property. There are very few that go to 95 and their rates are quite expensive. So your options are very limited if you've only got a 5% deposit for an investment property. All right. So in that case, so what sort of deposit should I save? You know, this is an investment podcast. So what sort of deposit should I save? So 5% isn't enough. Is there a kind of a number or is it just kind of the most that I can save? No. So to get a loan, a normal loan, you would need a 10% deposit plus a 2% uh, buffer for mortgage insurance plus mm-hmm. whatever stamp duty and conveyancing fees there are. Okay. And so, okay, so talk me through what the difference is because this was something that I've sort of done a bit of research on and it's quite interesting because it's not, um, you know, when you read it on paper, it kind of seems obvious, but it's kind of not. But like what's the difference between a 5% deposit and a 20% deposit? How does that unfold? Sure. So if you are purchasing a property and you're borrowing 80% or less, you don't pay mortgage insurance on your loan. Mortgage insurance is an insurance that the client pays to protect the lender if you don't pay your payments. Yes. Okay. So basically, if you default on your loan, the lender will sell your property or can sell your property. If they don't sell it for enough to cover your 
loan, then the, the mortgage insurer pays them the difference and the mortgage insurer then chases you. Okay. So if you borrow more than 80% of the value of the property, you have to pay mortgage insurance. Um, and it's sort of increasing increments. At 90%, it's roughly 2% of the total purchase price. Okay. So if you borrow 95% of a property, it's roughly 3.5% of the purchase price. So you're actually only borrowing 91.5% and then the mortgage insurance on top. And is the 20% uh, or the over 20% and then that means they don't have to do mortgage insurance, is that a is that a percentage that goes across the board? Yes. every So, yeah, 80% is the where – I mean, there are a couple of lenders that will allow you to go to 85% without mortgage insurance on owner-occupied properties. They charge a little bit of a premium, but they do allow it. Um, there are a few government – grants for first home buyers that allow you to not pay the mortgage insurance but in general yes over 80 percent the bank has to take out mortgage insurance and most of them will charge you okay actually i was going to ask you about the first home owners grant and can you use that as your deposit no so well yes but no so for a first home buyer that's buying a house to live in then the banks require you to have five percent of the total purchase price as genuine savings. Okay. So genuine savings means that you have saved it up over a period of time, not mm-hmm. that your mum gave it to you, not that you you know, found cash under the bed and using that. <laughs> it's got to be you've saved it up over a period of time and it's 5% actually yours. That is true if you're a first home buyer or not. But if you're a first home buyer, you can then get um, first homeowners grants and there's a few other things that, can be used towards your deposit above 5%. Mm. How do they know if it's genuine or not? Uh, When you apply for a loan, the bank will ask you for six months' worth of savings for your Uh, account and they can see if there's any lump sum payments. Uh, That that makes sense. It doesn't sound as stalkerish as it was in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the the benefit really of, of putting down a... 20% 20% or above deposit is that um, so the banks won't take out a mortgage insurance again and you sort of pay less interest and will the banks look on you sort of more favourably? So the it depends on the bank. So some banks charge the same interest rate no matter what how much your deposit you're putting down. Um, some banks do their own mortgage insurance, so it doesn't really change how they look at you. Mm. Other banks use a mortgage insurance company, um, and so you then have to get approved by both the bank and the mortgage insurer, which does make it a little more difficult sometimes. Okay, I see. Is it possible to pay no deposit at all? Is that ever a thing? No. Mm. So there has to be a deposit. The most you you can borrow for any product is 95% mm. plus the mortgage insurance which takes you up to 98% as the maximum lend. Um, the only way to pay no deposit is if you've got another property that you can use equity in. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, so if you've got a house already and, you know, there's $200,000 worth of equity in that, you can use that $200,000 as your deposit for another purchase. One of the most important aspects of your investment property is your investment loan. And it's important that you find the right loan for your property, portfolio, and personal situation. 
Using a mortgage broker can take a lot of the stress out of finding the right loan for you. Visit investorintelligence.com.au forward slash mortgages to find your next investment mortgage broker. So how can you how can your deposit affect your home loan choices? So depending on what you're looking at buying, if if you have to have a 10% deposit or you have to have a 5% genuine savings and you've only got you've got 30,000 in your savings account that's genuinely saved, mm. then that has to be at maximum, sorry, at minimum 5% of your purchase price. So you can't go over 600,000 if you've got 30 grand. Okay. Yeah. Because um, if you go to 650000 then you need more money in your savings account that's genuinely saved to make up that 5% deposit. Oh, gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. When you're buying an investment property, though, you need to consider whether or not saving the extra deposit is actually worth not paying the mortgage insurance or when you're buying uh, your home even. So let's say, for example, you're, you want to save 20% deposit mm-hmm. to buy your, your investment property or your house and you're buying in an area where properties are going up in value. Now, let's say you're looking at a $600,000 property. Mortgage insurance on that is going to be roughly $12,000. And that's a one-off fee. It's paid up front um, when you settle your loan and then there's no ongoing so, so it's it's part of your loan and you pay it off over the 30 years, but it's not a fee that you pay every single year. So one-off payment of $12,000. Now, if you consider, okay, for a 10% deposit paying mortgage insurance, I need $60,000 plus the costs, or for an 80%, sorry, for a 20% deposit without paying mortgage insurance, I need $120,000 plus the costs. Mm. How long is it going to take you to save that extra $60,000 Versus how long is it going to take that property to go up 12 grand where you're actually paying more for it? Like quite often it's worth paying the mortgage insurance to not have to pay 630000 for that $600,000 property. Right, okay. Right. So if that property is worth 600000 today but it's going to take me two years to save the extra 60000 by which time that property is going to be worth 630000 I'm effectively paying $30,000 to save twelve. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Wow. There's so much to consider. This is crazy. (laughs) So particularly with investment properties, I usually suggest if you're looking at buying multiple investment properties, it's better to go to 90% on them and buy them for less than waiting till you've got 20% deposits for each one Mm. and having to buy them less frequently. Okay. So is there anything else that people should know or kind of consider or, or maybe keep in mind about deposits they need? Uh, yeah, so banks have a distinction between a um, a normal investor and a sophisticated investor. Okay. And a sophisticated investor is m- less likely to be able to get mortgage insurance. So once you hit five investment properties, mm-hmm. you will most likely need 20% deposits for everyone there- thereafter. Oh, why is that? Because the bank considers you a professional investor, it's more risky for them. Um, when you've got, you know, five properties, all of them, where you owe more than 80%, uh. the banks see that as being quite risky because you're quite highly geared. You don't have a lot of cash flow, a lot of equity, a lot of asset. Okay. 
Um, it's mainly all owned by the bank. So, yeah, they see that as being quite high risk and they will stop after you've got five of them. Interesting. I would have thought it'd be the, the other way around, but no, that, that makes total sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, Chelsea, you've been very generous with your time. Thank you once again for joining me today. I've co- I'm going to have to get you my back pleasure. again because you're just so, so fun to learn from. But thank you so much. <laughs> Fabulous. Thank you for your time. If you would like to know any more about the Property Mentors or would like to book a discovery call, you can visit www.thepropertymentors.com.au. Make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Investor Intelligence Podcast. You can find links to our other socials in show notes, including a link to the Property Mentors weekly blog. If you are ready to get your property portfolio in shape for financial freedom, check out Luke's latest book, Property Fit. You can get yourself a copy at www.propertyfitbook.com.au. If you found this episode or any of our episodes helpful, please make sure to share and leave a rating to help us reach more people on their investing journeys. And of course, subscribe to be notified when new episodes drop. 